Hello everyone and welcome to Here Comes Christmas. It's the 9th of December and season's greetings and compliments of the season and what else do you say at Christmas time? Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> We're getting there, aren't we? Absolutely. Yes. So, what have we got to talk about today? Well, we're talking about simplicity, which I think is a really good thing for you and me to talk about. Simplicity. Yes. Right, okay. Simple Minds. That that would be a good name for a band. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, on this day, 60 years ago, Coronation Street was screened for the first time. Coronation Street, the longest running soap opera in television history. Yes, I don't think I've ever really seen an episode of it. <laughs> so I can't really, I'm not an authority on Coronation Street. Well, my grandmother used to love it. And 60 years ago, I can just about remember those black no, and white. you can't. I can. <laughs> just about remember those black and white crinkly images on the TV that they had at the time. Um, yeah. But it's, it's the theme tune, isn't it, that everybody... In this country, I was going to say the world knows and just it, it epitomises, doesn't it? The the street and the whole ethos of Go on then. Manchester. I should... Your starter for 10. What is the theme tune to Coronation Street called? Oh, I don't have a clue. It has a name. It's called right. Lancashire Blues. Oh, right. OK. OK. It, it was written back in uh, 1960 when right. things started. Yeah. Has been going ever since with the same theme tune. So, do you think he's been paid royalties for every single episode that's gone? Well, actually, history tells us that Eric got six pounds for this composition. Oh, wow. I don't know whether he's been paid royalties since then. It will depend on his contract with DeWolf Music, who actually owns the copyright to it. But um, six quid. Hmm. Mm. It was worth a bit more in 1960, but not a lot. Uh, yes, I think people would negotiate better deals these days, wouldn't they? Yeah. Okay, so if you could have written a TV theme, which one would it have been? Mission Impossible oh. or the theme to Dallas. I think I would have done the X-Files, just the creepy, spooky sort of feel of the X-Files. I wish you'd written the tune to the X-Files. I know, I know. Every time it's ever been on, and I've said to Paul, I wish I wrote this. And, uh, and I say, I wish you'd written it as well. <laughs> but it's an earworm, isn't it? It's one of those things that gets inside your head and you find it really difficult. Simple to tunes and, and simple sounds, strangely, are often the ones which actually get under your skin the most, mm. aren't they? So there's one that's been doing the rounds this year. And anybody who's got young children will probably know exactly what I mean by baby shark. Oh, no, not baby shark. <laughs> Which I hadn't heard of. And then you listen to it and you say, oh, this is just the most awful thing ever. And I counted up the first page of hits on YouTube and it's had over two billion. Billion with a B. With a B, not an M. Two billion hits. I can't believe it. Do look at it if you don't know what we're talking about. And you will be equally as appalled as we were. And then it, you will be singing it for the next week, unfortunately, as well. <laughs> oh, dear. So thinking about Christmas carols that are very simplistic, I thought about the one, Do You Hear What I Hear? Mm-hmm. Which, again, 
There's very little to it. Harmonically, just incredibly simple. But it works and it brings the words out and they are just very sweet and very moving. Absolutely. Shall we listen to it? Let's hear it. Okay. Said the night wind to the little lamb Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb Do you see what I see? A star, a star Dancing in the night With a tail as big as a kite with a tail as big as a kite Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy Do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy Do you hear what I hear? A song song we all know what they're singing about but they never actually mentioned directly that it's about jesus's birth it's mm. quite a, actually yes the song was written um 1962 by a, a couple a married couple actually mm. noel regney and gloria shane and apparently they were not keen to to write a christmas song at first because they thought christmas was being very commercialized however they had this idea they were inspired because of the Cuban Missile Crisis, which was happening at that time. And okay. this this song was actually a kind of protest against war. And right. it, they said that it, they felt so emotional about it at the time that they, they couldn't actually sing this song themselves all the way through. They always cracked up in, in emotionally with the words. 
That's really sad, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It does have a certain ethereal beauty to it, which is just wonderful. And you're saying about it not being Christian song, but I think there are are quite a few things, aren't there, that that border the religious-secular divide Mm -hmm. really well. And this talking about the lamb and everything, it just is the epitome of a very beautiful song that you could sing in church without any problem at all. Mm -hmm. So who was the mighty king in that then? Well, uh, yes, you would think it would be Herod, but of course, according to the legend, Herod wasn't very uh, complimentary about the forthcoming birth, um, to say the least. But as actually history tells us that Herod died in 4 BC, then perhaps it wasn't him anyway. Ah, Right. We're going to hear from Chris now, who is going to give us the four stages of life. And I think this is a tiny little thing that we can all learn and all teach our grandchildren. Here's Chris. The four stages of life. One, you believe in Santa Claus. Two, you don't believe in Santa Claus. Three, you are Santa Claus. Four, you look like Santa Claus. Okay, I have a feeling I'm definitely in the fourth stage. (laughs) (laughs) No, you haven't got enough hair to look like Father Christmas. Uh, Well, never mind. You know, we were talking earlier about the benefit of simplicity in music and simplicity in life and simplicity at Christmas has got to be a good idea. I mean, Christmas can get so frantic and, and complicated Stressful. with all the mm. things that you have to think about, can't it? I actually, I was doing a bit of surfing. I came across a blog on on the interwebs and you can look this up yourself. The, the blog is called uh, gracefullittlehoneybee.com. <laughs> And they had a a little feature that said uh, seven steps to a simple Christmas. So let's have a quick run through this. So uh, she said, um, number one, commit only to what's important. Yeah, that's a good question to keep asking yourself, isn't it? Is this really important to me? Yeah. And it's easy to think, oh, cranky, I've got to do this, that and the other. And we're mainly doing this, that and the other to keep other people happy, aren't we? Rather than to It's good up. to keep other people happy, but I think the question would be, are we keeping them happy by doing it? Good idea to think about keeping yourself happy along mm. the way. Uh, number two, be at home with the family. Well, I think that's probably going to happen quite a bit this year anyway with the, the COVID thing, but... Nevertheless, uh, it's good to sit back and actually appreciate your family, isn't it? It is. And it's frankly one of the few times of the year when you can just have a bit of isolated family time without everybody dashing off to work or to college or school or all We these don't places. always appreciate those people we live with, do we, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I appreciate you totally, my love. (laughs) Uh, So, number three, cherish simple activities. 
So what would that be then? Well, do you know what my simple activity for this month has been? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought making this podcast every day would be a simple activity. <laughs> How wrong you were. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, yes, we have spent some significant time on this enterprise of ours, but it's it's, it's, fun. it's been fun and we've learned a few things along the way. And we've never talked as much yeah. to each other ever and to the rest of the world. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, cherish simple activities, folks. Take the dog for Just, a walk. If you haven't out. got one, you can borrow one. Yeah, we've got a few to spare. <laughs> Number 4, uh, take advantage of convenience. So, you don't have to do all the catering yourself. There's plenty of places where you can buy in some good ready-made meals. In fact, we've just made a, a lunch out of very simple ingredients, haven't we? Yep. How long did that take you? Five minutes. Right. <laughs> Shall we repeat that for Christmas dinner? Well, yes, actually. We we tend to listen to Chris Evans on a morning in the morning on Virgin Radio. And his wife is an excellent cook and they are all plant-based. And so she'd done this very meaty stew, which doesn't contain any meat at all. And so I thought I'd give it a try, dry how, run. How does that work, a meaty stew with no meat at all? Well, she uses aubergines in it. I'm not that keen on aubergine, so I used a small aubergine and I put some chestnuts in as well because I love chestnuts at Christmas time. Um, port, uh, some marmite which I'm not sure about, uh, some jam. I used um, blackberry jelly and it's just got some unusual ingredients in. Mm. But again, just throw it all into the oven. So we're recording this and that's in the oven. So we can give you a rundown. Mark it out of 10 for tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I was impressed with the port though. I thought putting port into it would give it a certain... Je ne sais quoi. For Christmas, yes. Mm. Okay. Number five, uh, choose simple gifts in few numbers. We've already talked about the benefits of simple gifts, haven't we? Uh, and perhaps fair trade gifts and things which are a bit unusual. Yeah, things. I think the gifts also go in with the um, take advantage of convenience, actually, because it's really easy to go onto the Amazon website and decide that you're going to order everything from that. But if you go to fair trade things, um, last night I was doing an interview with Olive, which is going to be coming up, and she was talking about CAFOD, so that's C-A-F-O-D. And if you go on their website, so many charities, in fact, every charity have got shops. And if you buy from them, you are doing some good. It's a win-win situation, isn't it? So the next one is uh, use what you have already. Yeah. So we do, as human beings, we collect clutter and it's just totally unnecessary. Far too much stuff we have. Uh, my mother and my father were two opposite different kinds of people. My father had little or no possessions to his own name. He would have the clothes that he stood up in and the car that he went to work in. And that was about it. Whereas my mother would accumulate everything. And unfortunately, when they both died, it took a long time to eventually clear their house and all the stuff that she had accumulated in the back bedrooms, but actually never used. So I made a vow that I wouldn't be an accumulator. And yeah. I love going to the tip. And you do. 
<laughs> Simple things in life, right? So the last thing on the list is schedule downtime to decompress. Does that mean you get smaller? Well, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps it just means space out and, yeah. uh, and live a simple life. I was listening to something a little while ago that they said children nowadays never have time to be bored because they've always got a screen or a monitor in front of them and fast games and things that they're playing on. Whereas when we were children, there were lots of downtimes and you had to invent things in your head, didn't you? You had to be creative about the games that you played. Mm -hmm. And it's all so different now. Okay, so time to do nothing is less is more. Uh, I was ferreting around looking for quotes and I found a a nice one, I thought. It says, less stuff, less work, less expense equals more money, more time and more joy. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? I think that's Mm. a good one to live by. It is. It is. There we go. There we go. Finishes the wise words of Paul Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, gracefullittlehoneybee.com is, is the website to look at if you want to follow that one up. So we live in a little village in northeast Somerset called Compton Martin. And the church there, St. Michael and All Angels, is giving to a charity in Bath for the next couple of years. It's called the Trauma Recovery Centre. And they work with young people who are really struggling with life. We interviewed Claire, who has worked there for seven years. And she started off by telling us what the TRC actually does. Our aims are to work with children, young people and their families who have experienced a trauma and help them recover and be restored. So we specialise working with complex trauma, including all forms of abuse. We work with refugees and victims of human trafficking. So children who've gone through really difficult things and Often, as a result, they have trauma symptoms which really impact their world. Their ability to engage at school and concentrate, it can really harm their relationships, their behaviours and their emotions. It can have a huge toll on those for the families. In the recent situation with COVID-19, obviously, it's been much more difficult for everybody to speak one-to-one, face-to-face. How has this challenge affected your work? Yeah, so back in March when the lockdown first happened, we did have to move to just supporting families and children and young people online. Um, And we also actually developed a lot of videos on our YouTube channels to help the wider population as well, um, because then we could start putting out more strategies um, and therapeutic books for children and all sorts of things that could be then for the wider population, because it was such a traumatising time for so many people. Roughly, and I know you can't give a precise number, but how long will a family be working with you for? Um, So there's quite a long and detailed assessment process um, that goes into each family. But I would say that probably on average, we would see um, a family for a year. Christmas time for most folks is supposed to be a time of jollity and family fun. Do you find that the season actually intensifies the problems for your folks at all? 
I think Christmas can be a really difficult one for many people, actually. Um, so, yeah, we're trying our best to help support um, the families who are going into being on the Christmas break soon um, and just really putting in extra strategies and extra helpful things for both the kids and the parents and carers um, because it can it can be a very difficult time for some I think Christmas can be wonderful for some people and actually very awful for some people so it's it is it's one that we have to be aware of I think. There could well be children listening who say I'm struggling hugely with school, with food, with a multitude of different things. What would be their best course to get referred to you? Yeah, so if there was someone who did need some help, uh, we can take referrals basically from anyone, including families um, or including self-referrals. So on our website, um, it, there's a contact section and under that, there's a place that you can just click and you can just write your name in and say um, that you need some help and just give us a contact detail. And then we can get in touch from there. And also, I think, like, do check out our YouTube channel because we've put out loads of stuff that's just helpful, really um, helpful for um, adults, but also on our website. We do have a whole section which is just for kids or just for young people or just for parents and carers. So each person can go on, depending on who they are, and look at you know, what, what we could do for them. That's wonderful. And thank you so much, Claire, for giving us your time. So the TRC is really about giving confidence to young people, making them feel safe, both them and their parents, and helping them through a range of difficulties. Do think about supporting them. Go to their website, have a look at all the work they do. They've got quotes from young people there. And if you were so inclined, you could help by fundraising as our church is doing this year or by giving a monthly donation. It's all going to wonderful, kind, caring people. Okay, at this time in the programme each day, we hear from the Reverend Simon Lewis with his own personal perspective of the Christmas story. Here's Simon. Hello once again. We now move to chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel, verses 3 to 5, on this ninth day of Advent. Everyone went to register himself, each to his own hometown. Joseph went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, the birthplace of King David. Joseph went there because he was a descendant of King David. He went to register with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him and was pregnant. Here's the question. Think about planning for a 90-mile journey that would take between five to seven days, especially as a pregnant girl and then the journey itself. What might be going through Mary's and Joseph's mind? This is my thought. Many moons ago, St Ignatius of Loyola, a Spanish-Basque Catholic priest and theologian of the 15th century, who co-founded the religious order called the Society of Jesus, also known as the Jesuits, made the following suggestion that we should allow our imagination to roam, as we pretend that Mary and Joseph 
have invited us to travel with them from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and we have agreed to accompany them, to give them any assistance we can. As the journey begins, we picture Mary, nine months pregnant, sitting on a donkey, and we remind ourselves that today a woman is not allowed to travel by plane if she is more than seven months pregnant. Yet Mary is to embark on a 90-mile trek. We find as many ways as we can of making the journey more comfortable for her. And we observe Joseph and the creativity with which he expressed his love, concern and attentiveness to her. We survey the scenery, drinking in the sights and sound and smells and sensations. And we listen while Mary and Joseph reminisce. Mary recalls the day when the angel Gabriel invited her to become the mother of the Messiah, which means the promised deliverer, saviour of the Hebrew nation. Remember, Mary lives in a country occupied by the Roman Empire, and they absolutely want to be released from their occupation. She describes, too, her visit to Elizabeth and Zechariah. Meanwhile, Joseph recalls the clear way in which God showed him that he was to marry Mary and become the Messiah's adoptive father. Let us wonder and marvel with them. Yes, let us watch their level of faith. And by heck, they must have it in droves. Steadily rise and maybe measure our own. But we note the reaction of this couple as they approach Bethlehem. We observe too the signs which suggest that Mary is about to go into labour. Many thanks to Simon for some lovely words again. Um, Right, do you think, Paul, it's time for that joke? Oh, that joke. Okay, um, here we go. Uh, I've been thinking, why do Christmas trees like the past so much? Mm, Because they came from Germany with Prince Albert. Well, it's just because the present's beneath them. <laughs> oh, they're getting worse, aren't they? I'm, I'm sorry, folks. We're scraping the barrel. <laughs> okay, time to go. Oh, we will look forward to seeing you all tomorrow. Take care, one and all. Bye. Bye. For now. Bye.